0: Okay, who said true? Carl, you said true. I'll stand closer to you, so that way anybody on the recording might be able to at least hear something. You're saying the Bible does not contradict itself, right? I don't think so. Okay. I mean, I don't think so. Explain why you think that. I don't know. I mean, there's people that say that it does, but I think there's an explanation for it that it doesn't. Okay. I don't think they I think understand. it's taken out of context. Right. 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 Now who said that sometimes the Bible does have contradictions? I saw Uh you want to you want to own that on the on the recording or no? <laughs> no, okay. Uh, who else did said that? I Nope. No, okay. Y'all are changing your mind. You're going to agree with Carl now. Okay. I don't know. So, I'm on the line. So about Abraham, it says that he believed God. Yeah. And it, the Hebrews rendition of Abraham and Sarah is a very different story than the actual happening, mm. um, where they decided that since God had promised them a child and it wasn't happening, that Hagar should come and be with mm. Abraham. Hebrews right. That doesn't, it doesn't really look, tell the look like believed like God, does it? <laughs> that that seems like doubted. Right, but Hebrews does an, sort of does a rewrite because of Abraham's faith. Grades on an extreme curve. Yeah. And that's one example. There's like with the plagues with the Egyptians. Here we go, here we go. <laughs> it says like all the animals were killed, but then it says a few verses later. Did, did you talk to a, a... No? Where are you getting no. this? Just reading it. Just, re- just last week. Yeah. Um, Mark and Heidi Heidi Garrison emailed me that exact passage to huh. and, and said what's the deal in the pl- it says first of all the, one, of the curse, one of the plagues in Egypt was the animals died then literally on the same chapter four paragraphs down here comes the hail and it says that they had to rush their animals in what animals? I, I thought you just said that God killed them <laughs> exactly. and she asked me and I said that's, that's a good question I didn't answer because I don't you have you an talk, answer you talked to Moses there, so, you, I thought, I was like, are y'all reading in the same daily, or month, or what do you call it? Read through the Bible in a year plan or something? So, are, are those of you who are saying that there are contradictions, are you saying we shouldn't trust the Bible? No. I not Okay. So, sometimes, sometimes the Bible seems to very much contradict on its wisdom, on its advice. Like, for example, you remember the proverb that says, don't answer a fool according to his folly in other words don't engage him, if you engage him, it assumes his point has enough validity to warrant engaging don't even, don't even answer him, he's a fool then the very next, like literally the next line says answer a fool according to his folly otherwise he'll be wise in his own eyes and I go now, cl- wait a minute <laughs> right? Right? and so I, I go okay now when, when he wrote that down, he didn't forget. He wasn't having a moment. He wasn't senile. He knew exactly why he was saying, sometimes this is the right thing. And sometimes this is the right thing. So this is a phrase that I've been thinking lately a lot. Tools, I'll just write this down. Is that me? It's youth, right? Yeah. That's fine. That's, do you know that remember that scene from that Chevy Chase Dan Aykroyd movie Spies Like Us? Where they <laughs> they land in the woods and they like out, of, out of, they're thrown out of an airplane, they land in the woods, and then these enemy Russian ninjas or something, which you don't that doesn't even make sense. Hi-ya. Yeah, are like <laughs> right behind him and Chevy and Chevy Chase feels his belly and it says, Is that me? <laughs> like, Am I- that stuck with me my whole life. I, so yeah, any weird noises I hear? I go, was that me? So tools, are you, are you stuck on the pharaoh thing? you stuck on the plagues now. You're like, what happened? Talk to Heidi Garrison if you have a theory, because I don't have a theory. I just said, wow, that's very astute. That's a good catch. I didn't see that. Tell me what you discover. It must be that not all the were killed. I don't know. But it said all. Okay, <laughs> Um, So, in my own walk with Jesus, I find I have a tendency, and maybe you're the same way. I find I have a tendency as I'm attempting, attempting to be as faithful to Jesus as I possibly can be. So I have a tendency to develop rules for myself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then the Holy Spirit will ask me to break the rules and I actually struggle to break the rules that he didn't make that I know I made that he didn't make. And so, And those of you who pray with me for inner healing prayer stuff with people, you know exactly what I'm talking about in that context where I'll go, oh, I've developed my six principles of how do you, what tools do you use and what order and there's a good reason why there's an order and then the Holy Spirit's like, let's skip all that and do this other thing and it's completely unrelated. Or let's, let's not even listen today. Let's actually just have you tell a story from your own life And then just smile and you guys can both laugh and cry together and then pray at the end and send them on their way. We won't skip all the, the, you know what I mean? And so people will tell me, Tim, you made up the rules. Let it go. They're not God's rules. They were just your rules you made up because you were standing back and seeing how God moved in situations In the past, and you turned that into, you saw the patterns, and you turned the pattern that you saw God do into a rule for yourself, and now you're, oh no, I have to do it this way, which is very OCD if you think about it. But what if a lot of the Bible is more like giving us tools, but because we have a human obsession with turning everything into a rule, we go, the Bible contradicts? No, the Bible provides us with more of a, okay. What if the Bible has more like a a choir or an orchestra where the instruments are allowed to, to play not just a different instrument, but a different note, a different melody, a harmony, a counter melody, a moving bass line? What if things are happening at the same time and it's the same piece of music, but it's not the same thing? Are you with me? I'm, I'm just throwing out there the idea: What if there's a what if there's a bigger picture than one small perspective can convey when it comes to the moral wisdom and the beauty that God's trying to present in in the pages of the Bible? Okay, I'll, I'll weigh in on the, on the question I asked at the beginning. I don't think the Bible contradicts, in the sense of. Uh, it's wrong, you know, that doesn't work. I do agree with how Sue said it like, sometimes we are missing some information. It seems that it contradicts, like the answer a fool to according to his folly, don't answer a fool according to his folly. What does it mean? It means we need wisdom to know which one of those is the one for this fool. So <laughs> true. Right? And then sometimes we twist what Proverbs are and we turn them into airtight promises. Then they're actually meant to be principles. And um, Anyway, uh, three tools for today. I made a short video about this the other week. I might have to refer back to my notes to see exactly how I drew the pictures. It's been a minute. I meant to do this the other last uh, Wednesday whiteboard. Okay. Is this one efforts? Okay. Hey, thank you, you got somebody that actually watched it sitting here in the front row. Well, pretend you didn't. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. So, All right, three little graphs. Um, Have you noticed that some things in life are as simple as what you put in is what you'll get out? Like if you put no time into learning a hobby, learning piano, learning Spanish, like I'm trying to learn, like I'm not trying, I am learning Spanish. No time in talking to God. But then you expect you're going to get somehow a vibrant skill set or relationship out of it. Well, that's different. God's, God's not the same. Um, are you sure? It's a relationship. Aren't all relationships built on quality time shared together? Yep. Some people go, yeah, but, but, but I'm, a, I'm not a talker. I didn't say talk. I just said time. Well, you said prayer, okay. What, what if working on a truck in the presence of God with some music on in the background is your time with God? Like what if reading the Bible and not saying anything is your time with God? What if turning all the digital media off and being in silence finally lets you access God? And other people, see the opposite. Other people, it's they put on a loud sermon and then they yell to the Lord and that's their time with God. But if you put nothing in and then you expect to get something out, or if you have a, a, a husband or a wife or a boyfriend or girlfriend and you never communicate at all and you don't spend any time together and you expect that that relationship's just going to stay fresh. Like, so in life, this is sort of tool number one, is like the law of sowing and reaping. If you put nothing in, you'll get nothing out. If you put a lot in, you'll get what out? A lot, I'll get a, you'll get a lot out. So that's why the curve says... More efforts, better results. And so sometimes the, the answer is do more or try harder. So sometimes. Sometimes. This is why Adam Bauer says, how's your prayer life? And, he, and then they go, not good. And he goes, I can tell. You have bad fruit <laughs> coming out your mouth and all of your nonverbals in your faith. You know? You're not that surrendered to Jesus. You haven't unpacked this with Jesus. You haven't, you haven't gotten his perspective on it. You haven't been close to him. You haven't been listening to him. You haven't been yielding to him. Hey, listen, he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And then you'll find rest for your souls. He's like, You know, that's Matthew, what, 11? That's why you're weary and heavy burdened, because you're carrying a yoke that isn't from Jesus. So if you'll come to Jesus, let him carry the thing and carry the burden he's giving you and learn from him, then you'll have rest for your souls. Only if and only if you actually come to Jesus and learn from Jesus and take on his yoke and give him the stuff you ain't supposed to be carrying, then you'll have rest for your souls. It's not... uh, (laughs) Okay. You get it, right? That's the that's the that's why Adam says, "How's your prayer life?" It's a very that's that one's simple. There's like are you putting the you putting in the time to you know, what do you expect? So sometimes that's the right the right tool. Try harder. But have you ever found that you can't try harder at everything? <laughs> Like, you you can't try harder at everything in your life at the same time. I heard Andy Stanley years ago say, who am I going to steal from today? Because if I I try to aim for perfection at work, I will be stealing from my wife and kids. If I aim for perfection at at home, I will be stealing from either my work or my work and my hobbies. If I give God first, I'm going to be stealing from something else to put God first. Everything I make first or put more into requires I also am taking time and energy away and attention away from something else. See, this principle of try harder, you cannot apply it to everything because there's only one of you and there's only 24 hours in the day and I'm assuming you do sleep for some of those, right? Even, though, even if you're standing and you sleep differently, you're still sleeping at some of those. He stays up so he can finally have some peace and quiet. And then sleeps <laughs> until I wasn't trying to beat him up. I was just making an observation that he keeps different hours than some people. has been twelve. He's he's changing. actually going to up at That's going to make it snow. Yeah, get him! Get him! <laughs> this is the first one. How do you guys feel about this one? Does this one make you excited and feel real motivated, or are you like annoyed and feeling like guilted and pressured? What for the second one? No, just for this one. Do more, try harder. You know what I've noticed? Some of the some of the guilt that I carry makes things that aren't even that hard to do weigh hundred and fifty pounds. They're not even that hard, and they wouldn't even take that long. But me not doing them, they hang over my head on my to-do list day after day, week after week, and they cause an, a, a dumb amount of stress. And when I finally do them, I go, finally, I did it. And then about two weeks later, here, comes, here it comes again. And it would actually just be easier to do them than to deal with the guilt of not doing them. I'm just pointing out that sometimes... This message comes with extra... If you're like me, and you carry certain kind of perfectionistic tendencies, just the message of try harder and do more, it doesn't really feel like it's a life-bringing message. I'm just saying, some of us have to filter through our triggers, and one of our triggers is legalistic self-judgment. Okay. All right. Second little uh, graph. If we're about faithfulness then it can't just be, oh, yeah, I'll just try harder at everything. Because faithfulness to Jesus has to do, I think, with, with thriving, with the quality of life, not just with like, productivity and performance. Are you, are you with me? All right, so graph number two. Is this again efforts again? I'm going to add the word value. And then this is still results. Oh, what was that? Why did it go down? This one's a linear graph. And this is diminishing returns. This is what I was talking about. If I aim for perfection at work, my marriage might suffer. I'm talking about perfection. Like I stay extra. I don't just do the job good enough, I do the job as perfect as it can possibly be done. I don't come home for supper. I stay late. I'm going to come home till 10 p.m. because I have to make sure every last detail in the job is perfect. That now I'm actually it's cutting into the value is no longer worth the price, right? Anyone who's tried to buy a car knows you can get yourself a good running car at this price, right here. You can get yourself a good running car that's attractive and reliable at this price. Or you can get yourself a car that's the same quality as this for literally 10 times the price over here. Now your value has gone way down to get that extra bump in quality, you took a 90% price hike. So your value has actually gone down, but your reliability hasn't, but maybe your social prestige has gone up, but are you stupid? Like, you know what I'm talking about? An $184,000, no, Bentleys cost more than that. A $500,000? I forget. Yeah, something like that. Like, is it actually a better car? Not. No, not not from a mechanical standpoint. Probably an Acura. An Audi is probably a more faithful car. You know what I'm talking about. Like there's, there's diminishing returns. And so there's some things in life that actually the harder you try, you pass a point when it was good enough and you gave it more than it should. And now you're actually starting to erode. Now it's not, it's actually cutting into the quality of your life. It's di- it's the, it might even speak in English. Yes. Okay, so somewhere between here and here, is good enough. Good enough. And I mentioned this a little bit on Sunday. If you're making a piano, that is precision work. If you're Mike and you're making, I don't know what you're, if you're let's say you're cutting a marble countertop. You, you don't want that to be, oh, look, we got a half-inch gap between that and the wall. No big deal. I'll just put putty in there. That would upset him. He's, he's picky, and he should be, because the acceptable tolerances on that kind of work or on a piano are way different from if I'm framing up a house. I'm framing up a house. I'm, I'm moving fast. Doom, doom, two nails, air nailer, quick. Header, boom, boom, done, doom, doom, done, doom, doom, done, doom, doom, done. Is it plumb? Yes. Are we good? Yes. Oh, no, there's a knot in this piece of wood. No one will ever see it. It's going to get drywalled over. Oh, but this one piece of wood is warped. But the wall itself is still plumb. It's, it's fine. It's called acceptable tolerances. Good enough. Mike, do you, do you mind if I tell the story about how you did that work on your own house? What's that? You told me a story where you took your acceptable tolerances from cabinetry and you applied them to your own build project. It was pretty fun. It was pretty brutal. <laughs> and what, what were the costs of being that picky? It took me a lot more time. And did you use more materials? Probably. I remember uh, Tony Campolo talking about how all the workers at uh, Habitat for Humanity are volunteers, uh-huh. and. <laughs> And because the workers are volunteers, they don't know what they're doing. And so they tended to overbuild, use more nails than necessary, uh, just more mater- more, use more studs than necessary. And so hurricanes came through and, and the only houses standing were the Habitat for Humanity houses. And the reporters were sure it was the blessing of God because these were Christian houses built by Christians. And Tony was like, well, you got to understand that when you build on the rock, and, and, the, and the reporter's like, oh, yes, yes, the rock, we, you're building on the rock. And then later he goes, man, <laughs> I was pulling his chain there. Those, those houses didn't stand because they were built by Christians. They stood because they were built by average people who didn't know any better. And so we wasted three times the amount of lumber and nails in every house we built. Every house Habitat's ever built has been overbuilt. So again, acceptable tolerances. If you, if you use too much lumber and take too much time, who pays for that? Normally the client, normally the homeowner that you're building for. So even though you're building them a sturdier house, you're costing them 50 grand extra that they don't have. It's not a value proposition. It's actually a diminishing return. You've passed good enough and now you're into I'm aiming too much for perfection. And, I'm, and I, again, there's so many things in life where if we're able to recognize, okay, this is good enough, this is good enough, let it go. It's over. It's done. It's done. Pack up your tools, boys. Let's go home. And that's my my father-in-law. He taught me that. The women are going to be mad if we don't respect that they also have an agenda. Because our women were at home, and they had an agenda, and we had our agenda. My agenda was, let's get finished. And he's like, no, my agenda is we don't, we're done at five every night, no matter what, period. Uh-huh. And he was smarter. We home for dinner. <laughs> he was smarter. Because I worked just like a dog, and then, I'd, then I could hardly get up the next morning, and I'm sore, uh-huh. and the women are mad. My wife's trying to wake me up to argue with me. And I don't know if you know, but you're not very good at arguing when you're being woken up out of a dead sleep. I think I threw my shoulder out, trying to slam my fist down on the pillow to say, I'm tired. I'm like, oh, what did I do? You know? Okay. Diminishing returns. Okay, let's see. Uh, When you're buying stuff, I mentioned the cars. I know cameras. So here's what I know. You can get an old eight megapixel camera from 2010. You, you can. And, and if you don't pixel peep, and you know how to use your, your lenses, and you know how your, your exposure triangle, you can get stunning pictures that you can print on A22, like huge prints, and they will look photorealistic. Eight megapixels. You can print a billboard, because they're meant to be viewed from far away, With a 2010, now it would cost you, you know, $200 or less, probably way less, if you know what you're doing. Or you could buy a Leica for $6,000 and put another $4,000 lens on that, right? And it would be 35 to 50 megapixels. And no one would tell the difference standing next to those two photographs printed large. And so, and to some people it's worth it to have the Bentley and to have the Leica, but a man who has very limited money but loves to take pictures like me, I love the fact that at the end of the day, life's more about get get the most out of what you got rather than think if you had something more expensive, your life would be better. Because isn't that the advertising mantra? Like isn't that the backdrop of almost all advertising? Hey, you, are you unhappy? Of course you are. But buy this product, and then you'll be happy. Right? (laughs) You'll be attractive. Look, your wife, she'll vacuum the house. This was the advertisements of the 50s. (laughs) This happy woman vacuuming. I'm like, I don't know what world you're in, boy, but... (laughs) Although we do love our Dyson battery-powered vacuum. But anyway... I'll tell you what, I like getting a good deal on stuff. That makes me happy. Oh, I'm, I'm off topic. Okay. I love free 99. Free 99. Is that what you just said? Oh, my word. Uh, I remember when a gas station opened back in Middlebury, Indiana. I'm a little kid. And see, this stuff makes an impact on you. Gas station grand opening. Guys, a gas station's opening. And I'm like, I, why would I care? Here's why you care. Free sodas, free ice cream, free hot dogs, all night. And we were like, what? Free Are you serious oh, right now? It's not that it was that good, but it tasted better because it was free. <laughs> My dad got a soft serve machine for our Miller reunion the one year. And and he knew that what he was doing w- <laughs> was probably a bad dietary choice. and And like, he was... There was parents who were like, Norm, you know, because every kid was just like, ah, ha, ha. you know. <laughs> why aren't you, did you eat any breakfast? What did you do? Did you go out and have ice cream for breakfast? <laughs> we had it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, man. Oh, man. Yeah, they just had the look, you know, and then they're like, why can't you hold still or be quiet? Oh, okay, I get it. I get it. Design loves Kool-Aid. He makes it. He's the one who makes it in our house. I looked at how to make Turkish delight this this just like the other day because I love Turkish delights. I took one look at the guy making it and I was like, oh, "It's pretty much 100 percent sugar. I can't be with my pre-diabetic stuff. No way." Anyway, okay, back on point. Uh, okay, linear do more. If you put more in, you'll get more out. Sometimes that's the truth. And sometimes that's the truth the Holy Spirit will like put on, on, on your t- on, right in front of your face, uh-huh. like you did with me the other day, and like the Holy Spirit did with me with Spanish. That's not, I wish I knew Spanish. That's not how you get Spanish. You don't get it by wishing. No. I want to know you, God. Great. That's great. That's a desire. That's a stated desire. Now that needs to be turned into a plan, not just a desire. Because if it doesn't have a plan with action, it won't happen, right? Are you with me? It's actually not complicated, it's just inconvenient. Sound familiar? But then sometimes, do more, Eh, no, no, no. We need to hear the word, that's good enough. Life has other things to it. That's good enough, let it go. Uh And then there's the third one, And I'm not saying these are the only uh, graphs you can draw for life. Still effort over here. Still results here. There's some things in life where literally, this would be called the inverse law, (laughs) literally, if you start to try it falls apart in your hands. That if you don't try, it works. But if you start to try, it falls apart. Let me well actually, can you think of any examples of things like that?
1: Like, okay, so if you start to try, okay, I
0: guess laundry. (laughs) (laughs) That's not what I was thinking. (laughs) I'll give you my examples and maybe they'll resonate. Don't we say When somebody's nervous to meet someone new, to go be with new people, have a job interview, go on a date, whatever it is, don't we say, honey, just, just be yourself. Why do, why, what are we saying? Yes, I think what we're also saying is the more you try, the weirder you are. And the more painful the social interaction is, and the less likely it is that they will like you. (laughs) But you don't want to say, sweetheart, you have to relax. Because if you don't relax, it's more likely they'll reject you. Because that's not helpful, (laughs) even though it's true. (laughs) But what we're actually saying is, sweetheart, they may reject you because not everybody's going to like you, okay? You are an acquired taste. (laughs) Everyone in this room is an acquired taste. If you ain't met people in this world that don't like you... Dude, that's super weird. Some people are just not going to like you. But you know what? If you care, it becomes a big deal. But if you let it go and surrender and just be yourself, it's actually not fatal. There was a dude I saw, and his way of trying to get to, re- to surrender to the reality that not everybody's going to like him, he said, I asked a hundred girls on a date. A hundred, and his goal was my. to get over my fear of rejection. Yeah, that's one way to do it, bro. <laughs> That is one way to do it. That's his way of saying I surrender. Yeah, I can't. It's not up to me. It's hundred percent not in my control whether they are going to like me, find me attractive, we're going to gel or whatever. So I'm going to let go. I'm going to surrender. Some people are just not going to like me. Hey, this is me. I surrender. You might not like me. I like you. How are we doing? Oh, you hate me? Oh, wow, that's interesting. I didn't die. I didn't like that. Didn't like how that felt. I definitely didn't like how that felt. Could have done without that. But guess what? I still know who I am. Wow. I guess that door is closed. Maybe later. Because they say that too, don't they? They say if somebody turns you down, don't take it personal. It might be that something's going on in their life that has nothing to do with you. Come around and ask again later. No, I wouldn't recommend it. Almost everyone I'm looking at is married, so. But there's some things in life you can't change. You cannot change the fact that time is moving forward and you are getting older. Am I right? When you were 20, you didn't feel like that was true. I feel like it's true and I can see the signs, I, oh my goodness, you guys are going to be like, shut up, you're so young. The other day, literally, you know how Facebook's like, or I don't even know if it's Facebook, the internet keeps track of who you are and they're like, he needs to see this. All right. (laughs) Here's what the internet thought I needed to see. Exercises for senior citizens. Wow. (laughs) Wow. And I said, hold up, what now, hold, why is this coming up? And it had a chart, and I immediately started looking at the chart, because it was very interesting, they, I'm like, this algorithm knows me, because that, I would, like, they, they peg me perfect. If your age is 45 to 55, then do these exercises, I'm carefully looking at the exercises, if your age is 55 to 65, do these exercises, and if your age is, right, and I, and I, I didn't even think about it at first. At first, I was like, "This is really helpful." And then I finally the lab, the, the the actual title of the whole chart sinks in, and I go, "Hey, <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> Elderly, senior citizens? <laughs> what? That's my age." Because <laughs> then your my perception of myself as a young as a as a young man is challenged by the data that they're presenting, and I'm like, hold up, Uh wait a minute, because I'm like, if you're 20, I'm like, you're a kid, and if you're 30, I'm like, you're still kind of a kid, oh, wait a minute, I'm old, (laughs) (laughs) oh, man, but you can't change it, I can't change it, the fact of the matter is... Time I, keeps... no, I I called it when he said it, oh. but I was just waiting, hold but on. But doesn't it feel good to be called a kid? Isn't that, it's like, the, the day's coming when you'll wish people called you a kid. No. Um, really? John, uh, John Mayer wrote a song on one of his early albums called Stop This Train. And it was about him realizing his dad is getting older, and he can never go back to being that little kid in his dad's house, his mom and dad's house with no worries, and everyone's alive. Everyone's there, and the smells and sights and sounds of family and friends, and he'll never be able to go back. It's a train, and so the the chorus says, Stop this train, I want to get off and go home again. I can't take the speed, it's moving in. I know I can't, because honestly, won't someone stop this train? And so he calls his dad in the middle of the song the next line is basically he calls his dad and his dad basically says we can't there's nothing we can do and that is a case of surrender surrender okay mark mark manson says desire for a positive experience is itself a negative experience right But surrender in the midst of a negative experience is itself a positive experience. There's something that happens when we let go that enables us to actually be in the broken moment we wish we weren't in and find the good in it. Because even the bitter seasons of life have good things in them. Usually the good seasons of life have bitter things in them. And the bitter seasons of life have good things in them. And they're all God. The whole journey is God. The the valleys and the mountains and the challenges and the struggles. And even, I don't want to say the sins are his fault, but I'm saying even in our sins, God's in the midst. In our victories, God's in the midst. In our different seasons of life, he's in the midst. And there's certain things where the only thing we can do is surrender. And it's not all like cancer and death and all that, surrender. But it's also just who God made you, surrender, relax. It's also just being good enough and being found worthy of God's love. You have to surrender. You have to receive. You just have to, you have to let go. You just have to take it in. And I say just, and it's not a just, really. It's, that's a big deal. But the harder we try to be worthy... the further away God's love goes from our experience. And the more we go, okay, you love me here as I am right now and actually do. There's some things in life where the answer is do more, try harder. There's some things in life where the answer is that's good enough. And there's some things in life I'm going to say the tool, where the right tool is surrender. Now, which one is kind of like that whole answer a fool, don't answer a fool? It depends. Holy Spirit, give us wisdom, right? What does James say? If any of you lacks wisdom, that's James chapter 1. What does he say? So if we lack wisdom, we should ask, and then he says why? Because He's willing to give it Because God will generously give us wisdom that we need without without finding fault. He's not like, I can't believe you don't get this. What is wrong with you? Now, do we do that to ourselves? I do it to myself. Do you know what's crazy? The key to you being a more loving person is usually you learning how to love yourself better. And I know that sounds, to some people, they would go, I'm, I, that's stupid, that's cheesy, that's nonsense. Tim, that's, that's, that's lovey-dovey, soft, gushy nonsense. That's not my, I want manly Christianity. Okay, fine then. Be a jerk to yourself and expect somehow that you're not going to be a jerk to others. One interesting prayer technique is to think of someone you are deeply grateful for you you got them. Mm-hmm. All right. Think of someone you are deeply grateful for. You can close your eyes if you want. Someone you are deeply grateful for. Let the gratitude just swell up in you, and then pray. I pray you are well. I pray. You are blessed. I pray you thrive. And I pray you know God's love. Okay? Now, put yourself, stay in that spirit of prayer, in their shoes now. And just speak that same blessing over yourself. I don't know how we're gonna I don't know how we're gonna ever receive God's love if we don't surrender to it. I have a problem trying to be worthy of God's love. And that sounds righteous. It's not, it's very frustrating. Have you ever tried to affirm somebody and they just don't receive? You ever thank somebody for something and they cannot just say thank you or you're welcome. They're too busy. They're getting uncomfortable with the compliment. And they're talking about all the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I also want to do this and this and I was thinking this. And you're like, could you just shut up, hold still for a second and receive that? You have value and you've done well and I'm so glad you're here, and I'm so thankful for what you've done. Could you just say, thank? You? Say, hey, I received that. I, I'm just telling you right now, you might need to tell me, Tim, just receive that, if you try to give me a compliment. Because I've, I've noticed my soul gets as uncomfortable with affirmation as it does with criticism. And when it's coming from somebody who loves me, I shouldn't be uncomfortable with either of those. Either of them. You know? Okay. What do you guys think about this? These little tools. Um, first off, what do you think about the idea of tools, not rules? I like it yeah, because it's very. Weird. Because the one thing is like when you were talking about you know, the try harder, do harder. we do that sometimes, that, that drives Godfather away from us and it does not bring him closer to us. Mm-hmm. Because, because when we we try harder. We're doing it out of our own, our own will, not out, out of God's love. will. Yeah. yeah, not always, but sometimes. Yeah. I can totally agree with that. Yeah,
1: mm. then like get they are done that. Yeah, then if, like, then yeah we start exactly. start
0: talking to ourselves, like, is this becoming religious, like a religious mm. thing? That's how I get it. Mm. And then I have to, like, okay, well, I'm not going to do this then I'm going to have to change it up. Yeah. So I, I like, form a habit about how I'm going to read the Bible. Mm-hmm. But eventually, to keep it fresh, I should probably break it down and come up with a new thing. Uh-huh. Take a break from that something different. and do something that's fresh. Yeah. I like the, that good enough part. It's like knowing good enough is good enough. Mm-hmm. I do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, instead of just trying to overachieve, Carrie says it's why I don't upload videos. I will regularly make a video, delete it, make it again, delete it, make it again, delete it, quit. I do have certain standards. We uh, know. The one that I made on this was, took four tries for two minutes. Took a th- four, three, four hours to make a two minute video. And that's normal for me. Yeah. yeah. You want it to have the right I'm glad words. I'm glad that someone that I perceive as good at it can spend that much time. I, I want, I, I'm not saying y'all need to do what I do, but I'm saying that I want to be able to look back on the work I've done and like it. Instead of look at it and see five things that I wish I had fixed. Because how do you, like what I say on, on Sunday, how do you do excellent work? You take good work and you finish it. How do you do good work? You do crappy work and you, you take crappy work and you hone it. How do you do crappy work? You show up every day out of discipline and you start. So I believe firmly in editing things and honing them and having another go. and But at some point, it's just me. Like we're, Wasn't it you and I, we were talking about Hollywood movies, how the end credits have... Fifteen, like not fifteen thousand. They have any Hollywood movie has like fifteen minutes of credits, and some of those pages are full pages of little tiny names, and and it's just you. It's just you representing the company on Facebook or wherever. It's not a whole team of people that you've delegated to with the art department and the guy, the one guy whose only job is picking the font. Wouldn't that be amazing if there was just a dude who picked the font? I'm grateful 70s fonts are coming back in style actually. Yeah, tools not rules. Yeah, that to me to me there it's always that. You, you know what I noticed? If you ask a painter or a songwriter or a poet or or someone who built a house, was it really finished? They'll say No, it was simply done. (laughs) Do you you know? Like I'm just trying to figure out what the words are for it. It was good enough, right? I was done. I I couldn't give it anymore. If I have no more for that project, so I released it to the world. Are there things I wish I could? No, I don't want. I'm never taking. I'm never putting it back in my womb ever. It's done. It's it's out. It's almost like that. It's almost like a womb, a creative womb. And once, once it's gestated and fully formed, then you feel the need to push and you get it out. And once it's out, it's, your relationship to the work changes. It, it, it changes. Now you watch it go into the world and you go, okay, now it's got a life of its own. You know, Isn't that the weird idea about writing or anything that outlives us? It's like now that it's out in the world, it has the capacity to reproduce in other people what hopefully was the agitation that was originally in us. That's so weird. Right? Like you you downloaded something from your brain to the page and then it somehow wirelessly gets uploaded to their brain through their eyes. I heard Philomena Kunk say that. It was hilarious and true. Alright, let's finish. 759. Good job on time, guys. Thanks for not making it too long with long stories. You're <laughs> Any final comments on the surrender piece? Do you know that my image for that? It's the roller coaster. Have you ever ridden a roller coaster? White knuckle grip on the bar, tense as anything. And no. was it fun? No. You're not, even, li- You're not even like that. No, all, you know how he it is like anyway. First, first I, yeah, Let's get when I was a first timer, <laughs> when I was a little kid, it was so scary. I white-knuckle gripped it, and it was sort of like, I'm going to fly out, 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 oh, my word, I'm going to fly And it, it was not fun. But when I realized, oh, I didn't die. <laughs> you wanted to go <laughs> Then, yeah, but I think before, until you learn that you're not going to die, now here's, see, oh, i got to finish my sentences. Until you know it's, not, it's probably not going to kill me, you can't let go, right? Or I couldn't. But once you know, okay, it's, it's statistically highly improbable that I'll die, then eventually you can relax, and then you can even do this. I still scream the entire time, very loudly, like, and which adds to the joy. Like, Unless you're in front of me, you know? I was like, 12 years old, getting on a jerker's jeans at Six Flags, and my dad was like, you're getting on this, and I was like, okay... And I seen what it was doing the whole time. Is it a spinny one? Yeah. Oh, I can't do spinning. I can't oh, man. And I was like, oh, no. man. I, I don't know about this. You day. just He's strike like, me as the were. guy who was never scared from day one. Yeah. And I... <laughs> My dad was like, you're getting on it. I was like, okay. All right. We get up there. I get on it, and I'm like shaking it first, and then it takes off, and I love speed. So... That right there just caught me. I was like, whoa! <laughs> when the recording's not on, ask me about how I love speed. Not the drug, just so everyone's clear. Gotcha. Moving quickly. I was 16 and we went to King's Dominion. That man over there, me, like, there's this long line for the bear roller coaster. It was the bear. He's like, You're gonna get on this ride. I'm like, No, I'm not. I am not gonna do a roller coaster he locked me in the line like I could not go anywhere <laughs> like I'm, I'm 16 freaking out and I'm like saying I'm not getting on this I'm walking away once I get out of this thing and I got on it and I was gripping like you said and the whole time just screaming and like help but he held me in there the mm. whole time he's like you get on this. and then right after the ride was on, I was like oh that wasn't so bad let's get back in line so we got back in line and we got on <laughs> You got back in line. There's probably a sermon in, the, in that. Yeah. By the way, I'm mm. to do one. Yo, I want to go. I don't I know. I don't know about those little those fun. spheres that are held by bungee cords and they just throw you straight up in the air. Oh, the slingshot. I'm not doing oh, that I ever. No, no. I love it. I love it. No. I literally every time they strap me and I'm like this. Woo! Let's go. <laughs> You've done that? Yes. About 50 times. Now that is, that's like saying, I want to know what it feels like to be a, a bullet. <laughs> no, thank you. Okay, one more, like one like one more quick application way way point. I don't know if you've ever... I, now, that actually does appeal to me. I, I remember an old African gentleman sharing at a worship conference from years and years ago, And he was dying of cancer, and he seemed to have so much joy. And I remember another gentleman at a Bill Gothard family get together thing. I don't know why they call them family get togethers, concert. An author that uh, Gloria Gaither loved, who had written a book called Rag Rag Doll, or I can't even remember the name of it. And he had cancer. And he was talking about his treatment and how it was just very fascinating how he's completely intrigued with the body, what a miracle the body is. And he seemed, I sensed the same thing on him as on the African gentleman. And neither of them smelled, I didn't smell any fear on either of them. Do you hear me? And I gotta admit, I I felt small and like a novice compared to these people. Like like a like it's my first day in the shop, and I don't even know how to take a a, a block and sand some burrs off of anything yet. Like I don't know anything yet. I don't know anything. We do what? We put our hammer over here. Oh, we do what? Next to that kind of piece, that kind of. My life is in his hands, and I'm, I have no fear in the face of death, and I'm so looking forward to what's next, and uh, this is the beginning of my life, not the end, and I feel really good about the walk with God that I've had in this life. It's been really blessed. And anyway, it's really amazing that I get an opportunity to speak with you guys today. Now, let's open the word. And I'm like, that can't be the intro. How's that the intro? How's that a by the way? How, how, you, you know what I mean? How's that the announcement time? And then we get into it. That's not announcement stuff. That's big stuff. You know? Are you with me? Anyway, there's stuff I want to grow in, and that's that's on the list. But thankfully, we have to. (laughs) Every one of us has to learn that one. Are we done? Thank you. You guys are very attentive.